At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her, and Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it is the beginning of the holidays, or the beginning of summer. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia book series by C.S. Lewis. My name is Kel. And I'm Chase. And thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder that we are going to be talking about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the second book in the series. But a general spoiler warning for the Narnia series as a whole, we're probably going to mention things across the series. Uh, and that we will also go on tangents into other stories. If it's particularly egregious, we'll try to make note of it and give you a spoiler warning uh, along the way if something is too far out there. Today, we are going to be discussing Chapter 7 of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. A Day with the Beavers. Chase, can you give us a summary? I would love to. So the Pevensey kids are still walking through the woods when the robin that they were following flies out of sight. Suddenly they see something moving among the trees and and they're nervous, wondering like what it is. It's, It's hiding from them. But the next thing they know, a whiskered furry face looks out at them from behind a tree and holds its paw up to its mouth as though it's telling them to be quiet. A moment later, it came out and told them to hush, then made signs for them to follow. Peter recognizes that it's a beaver from the tail, and Susan points out that it wants them to follow it. Lucy says she thinks it's a nice beaver, because why not? And Edmund questions whether they can trust it, because again, he's got some points. Uh, They decide to follow, and as they get into the thicker brush, the beaver says to come further in. It's, It's not safe out in the open. The beaver asks them if they're sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Peter confirms, and the beaver warns not to speak so loud, because even though they seem alone, the trees are always listening. Edmund asks how they can know he's a friend, and the beaver shows them Lucy's handkerchief that Mr. Tumnus gave to him before his arrest, knowing it would help them to connect with the beaver for help. The beaver hushes his voice even lower. The kids lean in, and he says, You know, they say Aslan is on the move. None of the kids know what this means, but the words made everyone feel different, as though something jumped inside, although it gave Edmund a sense of horror. And Lucy asks about Tumnus. But the beaver says it's best not to talk here. Rather, they should come with him to dinner. They follow him to a steep, narrow valley with a large, frozen river, and in it, a dam with a funny little house in it. As they look over this site, Edmund noticing the distance two hills that he was sure were the ones the witch told him about, you know, just subtly signifying his impending evil. The beaver led them inside where Mrs. Beaver was working at her sewing machine, and she exclaimed how glad she was that she lived to see this day and then offered them dinner of boiled potatoes and fresh-caught fish. They spend approximately ten pages making dinner, and then after that, they eat Mrs. Beaver pulls out a fresh-baked marmalade roll. Mr. Beaver lights up a pipe says now they can get down to business. It had started snowing again, and according to the beavers, this is good because that means they're less likely to be followed. Mm. Less likely to be followed. 
Chase, our theme uh, for this uh, chapter is hospitality. And going back to, you know, speaking of following, Chase, our kids have been following a Robin. Some a would red say Robin? A red Robin, yum. Some would say that it's just a bird. Why are you following it? It probably is just flying yes. away you. And Some guess what happened? perfectly reasonable people could say, why are you following this bird? And do you know what happens with this bird chase? It flies away. And they're like, Crazy. Oh, oh no, the robin's flown away. Like birds do. Yeah, yeah. Kel, are you telling me that this bird did bird things? <laughs> this bird did bird things. But do you know what animal is not doing animal things uh talking racist beavers a giant talking racist beaver Uh, we'll get to that next chapter we'll get to that next chapter but uh you know they see some some things moving in the trees and it starts you know uh waving them over no one feels really comfortable uh peter looks like it's you know he's he he says it's trying to avoid them or doesn't want to be seen which Uh, to be fair not feeling comfortable the right feeling to have when a strange man that you don't know is ushering you deeper and deeper into the woods out of yeah. the sight of anyone that could be passing by. It's it's rough. Uh, but like our girl Susan brings up some, you know, great like she has another great moment here and she goes, let's go home. Amen, Susan. Yes. At this point. Yes. Good why, thought. Why why are they staying here? Like what is you know, what what is compelling them to stay in Narnia? And it, like Susan's like, let's go home. And then everyone realizes what Ed it was like yes, this is like, well, everyone realized immediately what Edmund said to Peter at the, the last chapter. Like, and he was like, they were lost. Which like one, yeah. yeah Edmund was correct. I, uh of course you're lost. You just wandered into the woods following <laughs> a bird. A bird. That was in a country house. you've never been to before. In coats that you stole. Without paying attention to where you're going. You didn't like, even go to the lamppost like Edmund said. You, so you have no point of bearing. You at least would have had a landmark. Uh, yeah. Like, here's the thing. I did not expect in reading these chapters uh, to defend Edmund as much as I'm probably going to. Like, he's for sure wrong, and he's for sure, you know, treacherous. But, like, dude brings up great points. Uh, yeah, the the most reasonable of the children wandering through these woods. Is the one that has been corrupted by the White Witch. Yeah, the evil one. You know what? Sometimes evil people have points. Like, um, I've seen Infinity War. Thanos yeah. Doesn't he, have, you know. Wrong method. Um, sure. May... Maybe not a good call to murder half the universe. Yeah, not but, advocating uh, for it, but but wanting to ensure that people thrive and have resources generally not a bad thought. No, it sounds fine. But like, so Edmund was correct. But like, it's weird that C.S. Lewis mentions the last chapter, like verbally says it. Right? He's like at the end of the last chapter. It it for me, it's weird. It like. It reminds me that I'm reading a book and yeah. like when it, I'm it reading took you books, out of Narnia. Yeah. When I'm reading a book, I don't want to be reminded that I'm reading a book. I want to get like lost in it, you know? Wait. So do you like not like the Deadpool movies? Well, the Deadpool movies 
you're going in with that expectation of being pulled out, right? Like this is, so this is an interesting thing because like C.S. Lewis writes this way because he's writing as if he's telling a story to kids. And I guess like this is a good thing because you've got to keep reminding kids like, hey, remember this? Like the last time I was telling you this story? Like, And I think it would be less abrasive if it if he just said if you remember earlier in our story or mm. or if you remember moments ago yeah like versus hey remember last chapter right the thing that, was, that you read probably not right before this but possibly that was the weird part for me but you know i digress but chase we've we've now wait is that a it's a kind of animal i i think a, a furry think it's, little face it's I know what it is, says Peter. It's a beaver. I saw the but, tail. Listen, if you saw the tail, granted, it probably is a beaver, but I've seen enough Phineas and Ferb to know it could also easily be a platypus. True. And you know what this beaver has in common with... Perry the platypus? With Perry the platypus. He's incredibly it's, stealthy. <laughs> I was going to say spies for the good team, but, you know... Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it they are both incredibly stealthy, but although, are you really being that stealthy if they see your tail? No, I mean, you're not I, ducking out very quickly or well if they can see enough of your body to see both your face and your tail in the same instance. Maybe this is his like Perry the platypus moment where it's like a normal beaver, <laughs> Mr. Beaver the Beaver. <laughs> like, <laughs> We'll get to his name later, but uh, like this, this is his like, he's so incognito that like people are just like, oh, it's a normal giant talking beaver. Oh, yeah. Which that is one thing that jarred me about this chapter. At no point do they question why this beaver is talking to them, how beavers can talk, why this is a particularly large beaver. Like, at, they do not ask they any follow This is the first time. Questions. First time they've met talking animals ever. And like it's super chill. No other point when Lucy was there or Edmund was there did they interact with a talking animal. Sure, there's a fawn, but that's still half human. Yeah, he's human. It's you know? it's, it's wild that this they is, just take for granted. This maybe, is the default. I think the logic of Professor Diggory is starting to like you know play off and like rub off onto the kids because they're like well obviously we're in another realm and so just like it's animals will probably talk because just like it's obvious that all robins are good obviously this beaver is nice obviously obviously mr tumnus should be trusted you shouldn't shut yourself in a wardrobe things you should know (laughs) We didn't get that in this chapter. I know, nor the last one. It's really sad. Listeners, uh, it wasn't the last one either? It wasn't. Ah, man. So, the listeners, in case you're not keeping track with us, that means last chapter, chapter seven, six? six? Six. Chapter six is the first chapter of this book that didn't go out of its way to tell kids not to lock themselves in the wardrobe like four times. And do you know what I did this morning, Chase? I locked myself in a wardrobe because I didn't know. I wasn't reminded. If only you had been reminded. If only I'd been reminded. You know, you should see sue the C.S. Lewis Trust. (laughs) I'm working on it. Uh, (laughs) Class action lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, But so we, we bring ourselves back to the beaver. 
Uh, and they're like you said, they're not asking any questions. They're not addressing things at all. And like they should, especially when this beaver addresses them by shushing them both with its paw. It raises its paw because, you know, it doesn't have fingers, uh, you know, like we do. And so it raises its paw and goes, Psh! and then it also tells them to hush. Like, how is this not sketchy? I mean, I, I generally don't like, don't like to be shushed. but I don't like being shushed at all. Yeah, it's, again, the thing of, like, why are you following a stranger into a second location that's less visible to others? Get out of there! Yeah, yeah. this is I, a... Yeah. It was this written is, in the 50s, set in the 40s, but you gotta have more common sense than this, right? You gotta have more common sense. And, like, listen to this exchange. So it goes... It wants us to go to it, and it's warning us not to make a noise, Susan. The question is, are we to go to it or not? What do you think, Lou? Peter. So Peter, the oldest, is immediately going, hey, youngest child with le- like the least common sense. Yeah. What do you think we should do? The one that default says, I think it's a nice beaver I based on zero nice. evidence. And then our, <laughs> our source of reason, Edmund, goes, yes, but how do we know? Like again, a good point. Again, Edmund. Edmund's a tool. He's not doing like good stuff right now, but he's absolutely correct here. How do you know? Once again, the children luck themselves in to the right situation by happening to follow mysteriously this crazy beaver. Yeah, and I have legit questions about the seen versus heard scenario here. Like, Mr. Beaver makes this big point about staying quiet, getting out of earshot, because the trees may overhear them and report back to the witch. But can the trees only hear? Like, what... The things we know about living trees in Narnia, we've got two categories, generally. We've got Ents, and then, like, tree spirits, or nymphs. Both of these can see as well as hear. So yeah. quieting down is not going to keep them from seeing you running through the woods and reporting Dude, back to the I've, wish. I've Am I wrong? So, no, you're absolutely. I've got so much to say about Beaver, uh, <laughs> you know, telling them to be quiet. Uh, it's, it's, it's a power it's, move. It's ridiculous. And like, we'll get to these as we, you know, see the questions he begins asking. And But he will ask questions and then they'll give an answer and then he'll go, shh, 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 stop talking. It's too, it's like, don't ask a question if you don't want the answer to it. Like. Like, why would these kids, like, it's just infuriating. But before they, you know, they, they're, they're you know, still hesitant whether they should approach this beaver or not. And, uh, and Peter goes, we ought to be a match for one beaver if it turns out to be an enemy. Chase, this is the content that I want in this book. I want four middle schoolers fighting a, lot, a giant beaver. <laughs> I, I think I've seen that happen in person at least once before. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we'll talk about it next chapter, I hope, but Peter's got a few takes on things that they should do to solve their problems. Not the most logical person, but definitely the most fun as far as, like, the plans he comes up with. This is yes, story let's fight a, fight a yeah. beaver. I want to see it. What, what weapons? Don't know. Uh, this just punching a beaver. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think they're taking the tail into account here personally. No, I think Mr. Beaver could probably do some damage. And like, so I say Mr. Beaver. This is still a frustrating thing. Yeah. Uh, because C.S. Lewis will begin, because if you're not reading along with us, and uh, he begins capitalizing beaver. 
So it just refers to it as beaver or the beaver. Um, and like, we'll get to this in a sec, but he never introduces himself. Uh, and we'll, no. as they begin talking, because the beaver goes further in, come further in, right in here. We're not safe in the open. Uh, first of all, further in, that's our thing, Mr. Beaver. <laughs> Don't copy us. We're <laughs> like, hey. we're copying him. You can't copy us copying him. Well, we're copying Aslan. Uh, in the final book, we're not copying Mr. Beaver here, so this is ridiculous. But like, second, further in, don't make a sound. Come in through here. This is both what like someone trying to keep you safe, and what like a smuggler or a murderer would say. Yeah, something that has already happened in this book. <laughs> yes, it's eh. and then the like the question he asks them. He goes, "Are you sons of Adam and daughters of Eve?" Chase, the two other characters in this book who have asked if you are a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve were, uh, one... Both kidnappers? Tumnus, a kidnapper, granted, changes heart and decides not to be a kidnapper. We don't know that. We, we don't know that for sure. But he like, continued to see her. Continue to see her. And then two, the white witch, who is actively trying to kidnap and murder all four children murder so, murder so the like I, whenever i hear sons of adam and daughters of eve it sounds sketch to me at this point like yeah. if i would if you've heard these things from these people why would you not associate them with bad intent yeah no fair and i mean the reason that we are given to trust mr beaver is crazy on its face, just objectively. So the reason that we're supposed to trust Mr. Beaver is that Mr. Tumnus heard that he was going to be arrested. And so instead of going into hiding, like a reasonable person would, he went to the Beaver's house and gave them a little girl's handkerchief, just in case that little girl ever came back around. Yeah. And then he went back to be arrested. Okay, Chase, I have... Bear with me. I have a theory. Yeah. I think that the Beavers, Mr. and Mrs., I think they were also charged and under the employ of the White Witch <laughs> to kidnap humans, along with Tumnus. Is how else would they have known Tumnus? And it's, it's a point. Tumnus was not in the resistance. Like, and Tumnus was not in the resistance, and he goes immediately to them, and I think what happens is whenever Tumnus has his change of heart, he goes to the beavers and goes, hey, I've had a change of heart, here's why. And he convinces the beavers to also be good, and like, so this is my thing, because like, yeah. otherwise, why would you be friends with Tumnus? If you, like, because later on, you know, beaver's going to make all of these accusations about people who have associated themselves with the White Witch. Uh, and it's like, but do they, they do know a lot about the activities of the white witch and a lot about the things the white witch would be looking for as far as like sons of Adam, daughters of Eve go. Right. I could get behind this theory. It would make more sense than, oh, I'm a bad guy, but I know these good guys down the street that I can go yeah. talk to. Like they're, they're openly part of the secret resistance. Yeah, yeah. The, if the if you know where to find them and you're working as a reporter or like a, uh, oh, what's it called? The person who's turning people in, like, you're going to go turn them in. Yeah. Why would you? 
<laughs> if, if you know that they're part of the resistance, then this doesn't work out. Yeah. But yeah, it's because he also goes like when they're talking about the trees and he's like, Hey, sh- 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 I know that you're answering the question that I asked you, but stop at like answering it because the trees are listening. And they're like, Peter's like, why are you afraid of trees? And there's like, they could betray us to her. You know who I mean. And like, yes, the kids do know who she means because they like saw Mogram's note on the like floor of Tumnus's house. But like, why would they assume that the kids know about the white witch unless they know that Tumnus was employed by her and would have talked to Lucy about her. And they're assuming that Lucy told her, you know, siblings about the white witch. Like, yeah, there's just a lot of pieces that fall into place that like, I mean, the beavers make a lot of assumptions later on about things. The kids know, I mean, we'll get yeah. into that next chapter as well. Like, why would you assume? And you know, there's a whole, there's a whole host of things that like, I have I have issues with Beaver. I refuse to call him Mr. Beaver. Yeah, well, the thing with Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver as their names, that assumes that there are no other beavers in Narnia. Like, are that's these true. the last two beavers? Because that's the only reason that they should be Mr. and Mrs. I mean, like, apparently there's more beavers than there are humans in Narnia. I guess so. Which, I mean, look, again... We'll we'll get into Mr. Beaver's racism later. But so with the Mr. Beaver, uh, like Edmund goes, uh, if it comes to talking about sides, how do we know you're a friend? Again, great question, Edmund. Good point. Bad motive, but great question. Uh, and like he Beaver holds up the handkerchief that Tumnus gave to Lucy, uh, and she goes, Not meaning to be rude, Mr. Beaver. Uh that's the handkerchief that I gave to poor Mr. Tumnus. Lucy is just giving these people, like, maybe it's manners that she's just like, hey, like, you know, I'll call you Mr. It's a, you know, sign of respect. And, like, maybe it's Yeah, that. it's kind of like a, when you're a kid, and instead of, like, learning someone's last name or learning their parents' name, you just call your friend's parents Timmy's mom. Mrs. Mrs. Timmy's mom. Uh, hey, Mrs. Timmy's mom. Do you have any snacks? Yeah. But like, here's the thing. Common courtesy for our listeners. If you are meeting someone for the first time, maybe introduce yourselves and get an introduction from them. If you're going to follow a strange talking beaver into the woods that you know nothing about, maybe at least find out its name. But, I mean, obviously, Lucy's just really good at guessing because they call one another. Mr. Beaver calls Mrs. Beaver, Mrs. Beaver, and Mrs. Beaver calls Mr. Beaver, Mr. So it's apparently fine. Apparently, their names are just Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And again, so. this, this comes to your point. Like, if there are other beavers in Narnia, are they also the beavers? Or do they have like regular names? Like, hey, this is Scott and Jill. Like <laughs> Scott like, and Jill Beaver. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Beaver was my father. Uh, not not to be confused with Scott Beaverton and Jill Beavermeister. I don't know. Yeah. This is, it, it's, so it's like they guess correctly, but like, come on now. Uh, and so they ask what happened to Tumnus. And like, here's, here's Tumnus's plan. Like, he knew like it like so it says that he got wind of the arrest that he was like being hunted down by the white witch that's what beaver tells the kids and 
he goes, before he got arrested, he came over here, gave me this handkerchief and told me that if anything happened to him, I was to meet you here and take you on. Uh, then Mr. Beaver gets really quiet and tells everyone about Aslan. We'll talk about Aslan here in just a sec, because uh, that's really important. But like Tumnus knew that he was going to get arrested. Yeah. And the Again. only thing he did was to give a handkerchief to Miss, Mr. Beaver. Like, you're not going like, to go in hiding? Or, yeah, like... again, why wouldn't you go into hiding? Like, obviously, if the beavers are fine at this point, there's places to hide where the White Witch is not going to come get you, even if you're <laughs> a known resistance leader. Like, if if Aslan is already getting people together, why not go find him? Like, what is what is the logic here of then going back home? Like, to where you know the witch knows where you are. Yeah, she has your address. You work for her. She sends your paychecks by mail. And, like, this ain't martyrdom because, you know, Tumnus ain't no saint. So it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, I don't know. It, it baffles me, man. Uh, but all that to say, we are finally introduced to the best character. Cal, in they say Aslan is on the move. <gasps> Chase, I like feel feel all warm. I feel like something. I I can sense delicious smells and tastes. Is is that the Holy Spirit? It might be. You, you might know, be I, having a heart attack, actually. <laughs> it's it's one or the other. Uh, man, I think this is this honestly is some of my favorite writing in all of literature, uh, and it's so beautiful, so powerful. Because at the mention of Aslan's name, like we dunk on C.S. Lewis a lot on this podcast and like we kind of roast on him. But like, this is really good stuff. Um, I just want to read. It's a little paragraph. So paragraph, like bear with me. It's a little long. We read some of it in the opening uh, quote, but it says, and now a very curious thing happened. None of the children know who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, Everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something you don't understand, but in the dream it feels as if someone or something had a enormous meaning, either a terrifying one, which turns the whole dream into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning, too lovely to put into word, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are always wishing you could get into that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump inside and we mentioned this earlier but Edmund feels a sensation of horror Peter feels brave and adventurous Susan feels as if some delicious smell or a delightful strain of music has floated by Susan is just real hungry at this point she's she's <laughs> it, it's her entire personality oh, yeah. is food is, I am hungry and I want to go home uh and then Lucy gets this feeling that she's woken up and realized that she's on summer vacation uh, or the holidays and like this is so cool I I just love this whole thing because like obviously we've talked about this before. C.S. Lewis is writing all of this as an allegory for the Bible, right? For Christianity, Aslan is Jesus, and we'll see that even more later on. But there's there is power in the name of Aslan, and just as there is power in the name of Aslan, that's almost heretical. So we need to make sure it's like we're we're okay here, but it, it's the same thing. The principle, right? It's there yeah. is supposed to be power in the name of Jesus. Like when he says just the word Aslan, it sends like a jolt 
through the through the kids and it's really really cool i love what he does here and uh we'll talk about this more later but the different reactions of each kid three of them being you know net positive and sure. one of them being really net negative with edmund or uh, you could argue that it is the most honest of <laughs> of the four because aslan came to seek and save the lost mm. Is mm. Edmund's dread conviction or opposition? Ooh, Ooh. dang. The, Calvinist, Ed- the Calvinist in me says only the end will tell, and we know the end of the story, so it Man. must be conviction. We gotta, we'll, have, we'll have a whole lot of predestination in the next chapter, so we'll, uh, we'll chat about that. Uh, but, man, it's – but, like, I just – I love, love this paragraph. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's it really is, and – and I like it because, like, you're right. It is obviously a Jesus reference. Like, my Holy Spirit joke is is That's serious. Like, like it, <laughs> that that is what the kind of reference is to. Because Christians don't believe there is power in Jesus' name, as in the sense of like it's a magic spell to be wielded, but in the sense that it carries authority as the author. Yeah, yeah, the author of creation. And being associated with him and moving under his name carries that weight and energy in the world. And that is the same sense here. Like Aslan is the creator of Narnia. Like there's kind of this kind of theme that comes up throughout humans' Mm -hmm. interactions with Aslan throughout the series that like – well, you may not have known that you knew Aslan, but Aslan knew you, and you have kind of some background awareness of Aslan. That came up in The Magician's Nephew with conversations with the cabbie who became King Frank, who has been completely erased from this series. But uh, yeah, it continues to come up throughout the series, and it's it's really fun to see. You're right. It's super beautiful uh, paragraph. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And so now that we've taken this time, to talk about how beautiful of a paragraph this one, let's immediately talk about some more things that are frustrating because Mr. Beaver has brought up the point of Mr. Tumnus and then Lucy, who is, we will agree, obsessed with finding Mr. Tumnus. Which, uh, again, let's step back into the, how old is Lucy here? She's a child, right? If if she's like an eight or nine-year-old, it makes sense that she's obsessed with her cool friend Tumnus. Like it, it's fine, but also mild Stockholm syndrome. Sure. Let's not forget he. But she's a child, him. and children have one-track minds. And she goes, "And what about Mister Tumnus?" And like, <laughs> it's like, all right. First of all, get over it. Uh, uh, but then the beaver's like, shh, 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 "Not here." I must bring you somewhere where we can have a real talk and also dinner. Stop bringing things up in important conversation if you don't want to talk about it. This is an infuriating conversational habit that Mr. Beaver has. Yeah, I, it's an infuriating it. thing to read because why bring something up if you're not going to write about it? I, Dude, I it, it's not even like a foreshadowing thing. It's just straight up like, but what about, let's say we want to, not now, not here. It's it's let me tell you about Aslan. Who's Aslan? Stop talking about Aslan. (laughs) Say that name. (laughs) Like Beaver is just he's driving me nuts so far. I Uh, I like your interpretation of him as like manic. It's yeah. (laughs) I I like that a lot better. I he's a manic turncoat. That's 
I it's it's a good take. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the Beavers originally being bad guys because that actually clarifies some future things we'll talk about. Yeah, that's I I think it like I think that's how it has to be understood right now. Yeah, uh, it's uh I won't, which <laughs> I won't I refuse to believe that CS Lewis just didn't think this through. <laughs> it I look. CS Lewis, got to love him. Gotta there's definitely it. some points that he didn't think through that we will talk about but it's there? uh yeah so either way yeah they follow this beaver who they just met who won't answer any of their questions and won't give a valid reason for why they should actually trust him they follow him back to his house because why not go why not? to a third location after following him to a second location yeah um and of course as they're looking out over their new their new digs we just got to have some mild foreshadowing of edmund's betrayal as he sure. looks and sees the hills in the distance and is sure that those must be the ones that the witch is talking about and he doesn't go right away but the seed has been planted and is growing and the moment's coming where he will not be able to take it anymore and he's got to go get that yummy yummy turkish delight mm. and betray his siblings this actually was more subtle foreshadowing yeah, than normal like, for CS. So far, this book, I'm gonna give CS Lewis a lot more credit than we did in Magician's Nephew. Where he it's gets like more and more careless with his narration style you, over the series. Do you think that like as, because this is the first book written, as we've talked about, like as he went on, he was like, ah, there's a lion. Uh it's Aslan. Uh and like he just it's not subtle at all uh it's, whereas it's kind of fan servicey because like we'll see it in future books like a line that comes up uh i think next chapter gets repeated like every other chapter <laughs> like yeah. the aslan isn't safe but he's good becomes like a mantra for the series which yeah. again we love the line but also it kind of gets beat to death in the rest of the series because it's just like the only thing people say whenever you go to Narnia after sure. it's said this one time in a small group in the woods. And yeah. it's just, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of fan servicey in a weird it, way. It is, but you know, say la vie. So they decide to trust the their v. way. It is the V. They decide to make their, their journey to a third location, which, as you've mentioned, they are going to another unknown spot. And this spot is super a, cool. It is. It's really cool. But also, like, why would you go there? Like, it's on a dam in the yeah. middle of a frozen river. And on the dam is a house. Like, granted, it, it's been it's been winter for a long time. The river is probably real frozen here. But, like. It's a frozen river, dude. Yeah, it, it's a bad call, um, especially when you have to walk across the ice to get there. Like, at least in the movies, they like made a snow outcropping that like led to the front door. Yeah. But here, they're like, oh, be careful walking across the ice. But uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, beavers are beavers, so they live in a dam. Sure. It's actually it, it, it is super cool. It like tracks. I I like the consistency for C.S. Lewis there to like follow the logical line of like well intelligent beasts in Arnia don't give up their nature just because they can talk. Like a beaver is mm -hmm. still a beaver, so they live in a, a dam. 
and but it's also a house proud of the dam yeah. and they live in it which is what beavers do like mm-hmm. it's, yeah i like it and you know what mrs beaver is expecting us chase there's smoke coming out of the chimney and that can only signify one thing dinner's ready not that they're about to eat the children but yeah except it's ready. not but also <laughs> <laughs> Why was she expecting them? Because we know that time moves weird in Narnia. Like, way fast, like, weeks have they, passed. Yeah. Tumnus, Tumnus wasn't kid, like abducted yesterday or earlier today. Like, Mr. Beaver has been going out and waiting for them day after day after day. So, like, the fact that Mrs. Beaver would be expecting them, yeah. the bird didn't fly that far ahead to, like, give him heads up. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. And but whatever. Uh so they get into the house and you know, Beaver, uh, because he still has not been introduced, sure, uh, says, Here we are, Mrs. Beaver. I found them. Here are the sons of uh Adam and the daughter or the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Again, this is something smugglers and murderers would say. And yes. she goes, At last, to think that I would ever live to see this day. Like Okay. Really? Like, cool. Yeah. Legit question though. How old are the beavers? Because after she says that, we see Miss Beaver's hands are real old and wrinkled. And they're And so she old. just said she's glad to have lived to see the the day. Like in the movies they seem middle aged. Yeah, they seem like, like they would be like parent age. Yeah. Which like makes sense for the scene that's about to follow. But here they seem like really old. Like or just Mrs. Beaver seems really yeah. old. How Mr. Long, Beaver seems middle-aged. How long have they been employed by the White Witch, Chase? This is the question Look, that we need. The White answer. Witch has been in charge of Narnia for, for a at least long time. at least decades, if not hundreds. I think of years. centuries. I think it's safe to say centuries. And uh, if they're the only beavers in Narnia, then they have also been alive since Aslan created Narnia. Well, but that would also mess with the fact that they've never seen a human before Mr. because Beaver, those beavers would have yeah. seen humans before. Mr. Beaver mentions his father's time. And so, you know, there's, there's some, some progeny here. Which uh, also, if they're this old and they're the only beavers and their parents are dead and they don't have any kids, that's a problem for the beaver family. Yeah. Uh, but you know, who knows, but Though we, you know, we talked about like hospitality and this is a big thing throughout, like the fact that all of these kids, the thing on their mind is dinner. It says that's the thing that really got everyone to actually go along with Mr. Beaver was the fact that he was like, I will provide dinner. And like, I know you're going to talk about this a little bit later, but like providing a meal is a big deal. Like giving a dinner to someone, being a hospitable host, like that's a big deal. Again, maybe don't except random meals from like strange people and uh, beavers. Although in this case, they help make the dinner. Yeah. They like, so it's like, Oh, Mrs. Beaver is expecting us that she's prepared dinner. No, she hasn't. You're about to do that. Like Peter is going to go help you catch some fish and the girls are going to go do something. Edmund, we have no idea what he's doing. It doesn't mention. We we don't want to know what Edmund's doing. He's Let's plotting. He's, he's just plotting. But plotting, like, scheming. Plots and schemes are the same thing. Yeah, whatever. It's... Uh, and so we've I've talked about this before. I have a gripe. Uh, another one. Uh, Lucy goes. She's like, ah, oh, you know. Lucy thought it was a snug little home, but it didn't compare to Mr. Tumnus's cave. Lucy, it's a cave. <laughs> this is a home. This is an actual like built yeah. home. Lucy. Like you said, obsessed earlier. That really is the word for it. 
she cannot get over this man and she needs to because this is not a good relationship like i she needs to go to therapy at this point it's it's bad i mean for real but whatever uh and then uh so after they've you know done their chores to prepare for dinner sure dude is this this sounds awesome oh sure is eating fish ethical in Narnia? Can you eat fish? As long as they're not talking fish. I think you just got to make sure you catch the beastly beasts and not the non-beastly ones. But, like, we also know that beasts in Narnia that were talking beasts, when treated like beasts, start to talk less or not at all. Like, that here's, that's here's, an established fact of this series. Here's the thing, Chase. The ruler and creator of Narnia, well, a land of talking animals, is a lion. But do you know what lions eat? Not plants. Cosmic energy because he's a <laughs> multi-dimensional lion. Cosmic energy. He just feeds on it. Hey, dude. I'm just saying. I think it's something to consider. Aslan hunts in the wood between the worlds, not in Narnia. Mm. Like... The, he the goes amount to of, other worlds and eats those people and like those creatures. I mean, we gotta assume that he consumes worlds, drinks the ponds that are those worlds. <laughs> like, wow. I don't know if you yeah. let if you let the beavers into the wood between the worlds, would they destroy the universe? Bro, they are chopping every tree down and they are damming up every single one of those ponds. They would they would wreak havoc. These these are the real enemies of this series, if you think about it. <laughs> this is why the White Witch employed them. Because the beavers have special talents in the wood between the worlds. Yeah, she knew in the right circumstances they'd be OP. That like and so she needed to get them under her control. Yeah. Yep. It it all falls into place. Uh, it all tracks. It all tracks, just like dinner tracks. Uh and dinner dude, tracks. This dinner sounds so dope. It's like uh, well, uh, you know, milk for the children and beer for Mr. Beaver. Obviously, beavers drink beer. Very uh, dad move to be the only one drinking alcohol when everyone else is drinking milk. Okay, whatever. Like, you know, weird call for drinks, but whatever. And then he goes, like, a giant mound of butter to go with these baked potatoes. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Uh, and some freshwater fish, which all the children thought. And C.S. Lewis makes sure that the children reading this story know that he agrees that you can't beat a freshwater fish if you eat it when it's been alive a half an hour ago and out of the pan a half a minute ago. Uh, or you know, switch. Is, I this, mean, is this Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> I guess so. It's. I prefer to think it's Guy Fieri. But uh, <laughs> welcome to. No, I would say Beaver Town, but like. That's <laughs> yeah, let, let's not uh, let's not bring that into into our canon. Um, <laughs> But welcome to Flavor Town. We're with the Beavers here. Check it out how they prepare their specially caught fresh fish. It's uh oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so uh, then, in addition to the freshwater fish, they've got a like delicious sounding marmalade roll. Like that sounds so good. That sounds great. And then a like a nice fresh pot of hot tea. Uh, like and and a good pipe. But just for Mr. Beaver, again, the only only one having a smoke after dinner doesn't care. Inside, small space. 
in but, a wooden in a wooden house. They don't what care. A, they have a fire going in this wooden house. Boy, it's uh, boy, do they? Yeah. And yeah. but like, it's just honestly, funny to me that this, like, again, this is like a six-page meal scene. This is like it, we watched them do every single step of this. Nothing notable happens. Nope. Like they don't have any conversation while they're doing this. They're not like there's no plot significance other than the fact that they have dinner. This is such a Tolkien chapter. It is very Tolkien. Yeah, it's uh, but like this dinner sounds awesome though. Like it's has no serves no purpose other than to be like the beavers are hospitable and yeah. Tumnus is known as the one that's good. No, well, for sure. And this is like I think this is answering the earlier question of the chapter of how do we know we can trust you like yeah they show it through their actions yeah lucy's handkerchief does not convince me that i should trust you because the fact that you treat me well and bring me out of the cold and give me a warm meal and let me know the things that i need to know those are the things that tell me oh you seem like a trustworthy person yeah. you think like you seem like someone who's on my side someone who i want to be around sure. like it's like i say it's a dad move jokingly for mr beaver but like they do have kind of a parental energy where they just kind of bring all the kids in to their family meal yeah it's it is really true and it's important that this is i think I think that's the reason why C.S. Lewis writes it this way. Is it like to display that these are trustworthy beavers? These are people who like you, you can, you know, lean on because even having the the handkerchief, like you said, they could have been the ones to sell out Mr. Tumnus. They could have been the one they like could have taken it from him and made up this story. I hope they sold out Mr. Tumnus. That would be hilarious. What a, what a plot twist. Man. What a, what a, what a move. Uh, That's in my C.S. Lewis fanfic. Uh, but like they make this delicious dinner and it's really, really familial. You feel like you're part of the family. You're part of this, uh, this home. Um, and it's really cool. And the chapter ends by Beaver telling everyone that it's snowing again, which is great because it means that they can't be followed and their tracks will be covered. But this is also, again, yeah. Great. This is really good foreshadowing and great writing by C.S. Lewis because yes, it means their tracks can't be discovered and they won't be followed. But in the next chapter, Edmund is going to disappear, and it means that his tracks can't be followed or discovered. That's that's true. I hadn't even thought of that. I thought more on the line of way to throw out the possibility that you could have been followed like two or three hours after you actually. Like yeah. had been moving. It's like yeah. you didn't care to bring that up earlier. Sure. He's covering his bases, but I think he's also doing some great work pointing forward. They're like, hey, oh, for this sure. is going to make things really difficult for all parties. Um, so that's I thought that was really great. Do you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? That's all I got. Chase, how about you start us off? Because we just started, we were just talking about, you know, hospitality. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, I just wanted to spend my further up and further in talking about the symbolism of meals and hospitality. 
meals have a significant place in human relationships and culture. Serving food has long been associated with nurturing and caring for others. It's it's just kind of one of those those acts that when someone does that, you know something about their character and personality. Meals are often places where friendships form or families bond. So it's no wonder then how meals came to take a significant place in literature as a symbolic tool. Like authors will often use meals to demonstrate friendship and goodwill to others. It's a way to bring characters together or uh, a platform to display their personalities. Um, here in this chapter, C.S. Lewis doesn't really give us a dinner conversation, which is why this is actually unique as a dinner scene in literature. But the dinner is a significant tool for showing us the character of the beavers, like we mentioned, who immediately invite the kids in, offer them good food, personally prepared, and essentially treat them as family from the start. Mr. Beaver takes the boys to fish with him. Mrs. Beaver has the girls help her set the table and, and boil the potatoes. The scene defines their relationships, trust, and heart for, uh, for them more than a dirty handkerchief from Mr. Tumnus ever could. Um, like, if you think about uh, one that comes to mind is in Game of Thrones, the way that food is used as a sign of protection. When you're entering someone's home, they give you some salt and bread to show that you are joining them in a way that like offers protection, which is why something like the Red Wedding, which is this famous moment, is such a tragedy and such a violation is because a meal is supposed to be a place of camaraderie, whereas it was used as a place of betrayal, not unlike this meal will be mm. next chapter. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's good stuff. Uh, my further up and further in is uh, the relation to uh, of Aslan's name and Jesus's name and the particular fact that Jesus is both savior and conqueror, right? So the way that the uh, reaction to Aslan's name um, is both positive for three of the kids and negative for Edmund, uh, really reflects the reaction to the name of Jesus. For some, it's going to embolden. Uh, for some, it's a refuge, a delight. And for others, it's dread. In our current you know, situation, if you look through scripture, you see the apostles and people like that are delighted at the name of Jesus. When Jesus returns, uh, you know, all of his disciples, when they're like, like when Peter uh, and the other disciples are, uh, fishing and they're like, Hey, that's the Lord. That's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims to shore so he can be with him. But then you see people or like, you see uh, like demons and people who are possessed who are terrified at the name of Jesus. And then if you take this to a judgment, a final judgment standpoint, uh, it is uh, Paul often quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah through like in several of his books where uh, he says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him as Lord. And that sounds great on the surface. However, some of those are going to be bowing and confessing in celebration saying, wow, you really are here. I'm so glad you are Lord and Savior, while others are going to be acknowledging it as a conquered army. As you know, if you read through the book of Revelation, it's coming in and these people are recognizing that's actually the guy. We were wrong. And there is power and there's devastation there. Uh, and I think that's part of what is meant to be invoked 
with this relationship between Jesus and Aslan, where Aslan is, uh, yes, like his name to people who are good and people who would follow him. That is something that strengthens you and emboldens you because you know that you've got Aslan on your side. You've got the creator of everything on your team. But if you know that he's showed up and you are not for him, you are against him, you know that you no longer have hope. You no longer have anything but dread of what is inevitably going to come. And so I think that is a, uh, a, a an interesting detail that C.S. Lewis brings up here uh, when discussing the, the power in just the name of Aslan. And it's going to carry weight throughout the entire series. Uh, and so I just thought that was really, really neat. But yeah. now, Chase, this podcast is, uh, you know, we've, we've shared a delicious uh, podcast with you. We're stuffed and yum, 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 yum. And uh, now the snow is coming down. Luckily, not, you know, literally, but metaphorically. Yeah, thank uh, God, not literally. The snow, the We've already been through that. <laughs> We've been through it. The snow is coming down metaphorically uh, and it's covering the tracks of this podcast. And now it's time to get into business. And the way to get to business with us Go follow us uh, uh, wherever you uh, you know find your podcasts. Uh, go like and subscribe. Uh, leave us some five star ratings uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you found us and are listening to us. Keep joining us every week, uh, and then go follow us on Instagram so that we can you know uh, leave you some great content. Uh, Chase will make some great little posts for you to enjoy and. Uh, and share this with your friends so they can enjoy the wonders of Narnia as well. See you next time. I I got a new computer, and so I'm having to set up Zoom again because I have my other computer like tuned in to mm-hmm. have us be the same volume when we record, which has been helpful because beforehand i would have to go and cut each of our individual sentences and adjust the volume so that we didn't just make everyone tune out immediately only most of them Uh, (laughs) and so now i i'm having to go back and see if i can get it to the same thing editing chase here just to let you know that that thing we just talked about didn't work and I did have to clip this thing up and I hope the sound isn't awful. I apologize for this episode of the next one. See you all next time. Bye.